Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Miru Podcast. Uh, this is Mukundar Raghavan, and uh, you're joined today also with uh, my partner and colleague on this entire project, uh, Rachit. Hey, guys. This is Rachit. I'm finally happy to be here and uh, move forward with things. Um, yeah, so the purpose of today's, uh, so we have a couple pro- uh, projects down uh, coming down the pipeline. Um, I wanted to spend some time today with Rachit, uh, kind of finding our groove on this together, number one, and number two, to kind of explain and get into a little more depth about the topics that we are discussing, our different areas of expertise and interest, and kind of how we got into this in the first place. Um, so without further further ado, uh, Rachid, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of like why this project is important to you. Sure, uh, so professionally I work as a data scientist. Uh, my academic background has spanned you know, social sciences in terms of economics, the heart sciences, computational biology. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of fun with all of that stuff, however. Yeah, that's deep- really fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but really the real fun started for me, you know, when in, uh, interacting with the humanities. And so, you know, I took a lot of coursework in the classics in the Western canon, got exposed to, you know, the Greek and the Latin classics, uh, you know, Renaissance literature. And, you know, a lot of that really made me sort of question the, hey, you know, all of this is very interesting to me. I mean, I'm a global citizen, I'm a man of the world, but... There's, there's a part of me that's Indian, right? I was born in India and raised there until I was 17. So that fact, you know, sort of encouraged me to interact with my own culture, the classics of my own culture, which I wasn't exposed to. So you grew up in, in India. Why, I mean, why weren't you, like, engaged with the tradition, like, before um, you decided to get interested in it after you learned the, you know, Greek, Latin, and other humanities so you know so you raise a really interesting point and I think it really speaks to the education system in India which was heavily influenced by colonialism where you know in, in my own schooling I was taught you know the great literature of the West uh, from the Renaissance age or even more recent you know British English literature but none of the Indian sort of Indic literature was celebrated at all and it was only coming to the West and getting exposed to some aspects of it in certain classes that I took in America that taught me that, hey, we have a whole host of ideas in India which are as deep, if not deeper, than those ideas discussed in the West. And uh, this is something that relates to me a lot better because of the experience that I had growing up, in, growing up in India, you know, my identity as an Indian, and it helps me make a lot more sense of the world. So not to sort of neg, you know, the Western canon and what it has added to me as a person, but I really felt that the Indic classics spoke more to me, and then that's what the draw was. Okay, so like, what, what kind of interest do you, I mean, what first drew you in? I really think it was a way to relate to the world through sort of language and literature and symbol in a way that resonated with me who I was on the inside. You know, I I saw a lot of great artwork and these, you know, art history classes that I took about great works of, you know, the Renaissance and, and the Romantic period and so on. Where Basically the naked ladies. <laughs> well, I mean, not just that. But yeah, the whole, the whole idea where art based on literature can evoke such emotion inside you. And, right. and even though this thing, this culture was alien to me, was still able to do this, then I realized, hey, how about approaching a culture that's not that alien to me 
could it even produce a deeper sort of aesthetic emotional reaction in me and, and help me live life more deeply and make sense of things so, so I mean so you had a very different like experience than I did so like um, I guess for me like I grew up in the US you know I was born in India I came here like, right. a couple months old um, so like basically my entire life was built in America um, but I was like from a very young age kind of Encultured and in, in, embedded into the Indian uh, tradition. In, in, in my specific case, it'd be like this, you know, Tamil Kannada uh, Hindu tradition, um, and and particularly uh, the Sri Vaishnava tradition, um, where like my dad, you know, from the youngest age I can remember, we used to get like you know uh, Amar Chitra Kalas. Uh, I remember and those. Then, yeah. And then get all the books and all the um, all those like movies. Grew up on Hindi mythological movies, Tamil mythological movies. Kind of, I mean, Telugu mythological movies, all these movies, right? Like N.T. Ramanao and right. all these people. So, like, I, I was really, even though I grew up here, I was so in, entrenched in Indian culture. I think I think that that was the case for a long time. Like, I used to go to school wearing a, a tilak in my, in my forehead all right. the time. Um, and I got made fun of and picked on and all that. But, you know, that builds character right. or, or gives you bloody teeth. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I do, like, remember, like, Clearly, in my high school stage for a couple of years, I totally rejected uh, like my Indianness. I guess a lot of Indians in America probably go through that. I don't know. Like, they I mean, do. was that something that you probably went through in India at all, or was it like you didn't have that dichotomy of being, uh, you know, Western versus Indian? No, there was not the same dichotomy, but there was a dichotomy. And and I think again, I, this is a holdover from colonial times, where you know, if you were English speaking. If you studied English literature, if you coded English literature, you were considered smart and educated right. and urbane, you know, as opposed to someone who studied. By the way, did the you just use the word urbane? Yes. Did I? Wow. Okay. I just <laughs> wanted to, you know, I, I thought a better word would be like cosmopolitan, right? Sure. Okay. Uh, urbane just sounds really weird, but continue <laughs> forward with your story. So, uh, but yeah, and then, you know, if you indulge in the local tradition, you know, primarily through the Indic languages, the regional languages, you were considered a sort of second-class citizen, someone who's not very educated, or you would be considered a, a sort of fundamentalist, so, you know, a zealot, uh, so uh, So on that point, you said, like, a secondary language. I mean, are you talking about, like, I know in India they tend to have, like, uh, uh, medium schools, right? Like, where, right. like, if you were to be... Studying Hindi medium, so or Hindi medium, medium or English medium, English medium. Right. So, are you saying like people that kind of studied English, I mean non-English medium, were seen as second-class citizens? Absolutely. In fact, many people I went to school with, who, by the way, are like phenomenal individuals now, but you know, I re distinctly recall like situations where they were, you know, pointing out someone and just kind of commenting on, uh, you know, the fact that oh they're not of our class because, and why is that? Oh, because they don't speak English, they speak Hindi. And you know, this happened multiple times and you know, it was quite disturbing, even when I was in India, you know? So uh, it, it's it's just something that stood out and uh, it's it's quite sad, and really. It's, it's, it is sad, because I mean, I just moved back from living in India for a couple of years and, and I, I still saw that in the professional realm, right? You would have people that were really intelligent, smart, mm -hmm. and they were really good in their native tongue, but like, the moment you got into the business side and they had to interact with Westerners and or like the business world, they couldn't speak English as polished or as, uh, um, I guess, fluently, fluently yeah. without the deep accent. They were considered right. to be like 
second class. Yeah. Second class even in the businesses, even if they delivered mm. on everything else. Yeah, they could be phenomenal technically, they could get the job done, but because they couldn't communicate, you know, they were relegated to a more of a support role. Like, absolutely. So, um, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I guess that, that, that does kind of, I guess that plays into kind of like what you were experiencing maybe was as a younger person. And, and, and I, I would say it's somewhat what I would experience coming up here, right? Like, even though I grew up learning, you know, first language is kind of on Tamil, before right. I learned English, like, uh, like we spoke it at home, but it was always kind of odd to speak it outside. We always feel uncomfortable. Right. Um, and I mean, but that's also because we're like a minority in a, in a different society. Absolutely. Um, but, but I think like over time it really helped build my, my desire to learn more of these languages. Let me, let me say something over here, right? Even in India, like when you go to a lot of English medium schools, they actually have sort of unsaid or even actually, you know, clearly sort of explicit rules, uh, you know, discouraging uh, the sort of use of regional languages and Indian languages. I've heard this. And I experienced it myself. And so again, you know, all of this kind of feeds into this idea that anything local, anything indigenous is inferior, will not help you in life, whether professionally or personally, and that anything that the West has to offer is, you know, all great and good. Right. Um, so, I mean, that I think this is a good point. It, it kind of expressing why I'm, why I kind of want to do this, right? Like mm -hmm. the idea that even if in India itself you're not getting Indic knowledge, in the West you're not getting Indic knowledge or text or whatever, where are you going to get it from? Where are you going to get it from? And and particularly, you know, people, educated people who yeah. use English as a primary language, whether in urban India or as part of the diaspora or even Indophiles, you know, from different cultures yeah. who want access to knowledge in an idiom uh, and in, in a manner that's more familiar to them because, you know, there's a lot of content out there, by the way, but either it's locked up in sort of arcane um, academic terminology or it's produced by Indians for an Indian audience a very traditional audience that is not very relevant to a sort of mo modern demographic and, and and just on that point and I I, 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 I totally agree because there, there are great sites like you know Pragita and a bunch of other ones that do a lot of this work one of the things I do notice is there's this strain of non-critical thought about it right like if someone writes something people are tend to be in agreement or if they're in total if they're not in agreement it, it quickly devolves into some sort of uh negative attacks right and to the point where i have had people tell me that my approach for taking a more holistic look or comparative look at you know indic thought and kind of relating it to western thought was inauthentic, you know, and, you know, sort of looking from a critical lens was not the right way to look at it. And, you know, I mean, again, that's like, I, I understand people who come from that point of view, but then right. there's the whole point that there's different demographics who need a different type of content and different ways of relating with the same ideas. Yeah, and, and, and that's, like, I think, like, why, I I mean, I think this, this project is important is I, I really want to bring a lot of the traditional ideas and, and knowledge and wisdom and traditions to the the platform for our listeners, mm -hmm. but I want to focus primarily on the diaspora, and I mean, I don't want to exclude the people that are like in India or Pakistan Absolutely or not. Bangladesh or many, any of these places, right? I don't want to exclude that cultural context, but I, I want to do it in a way that it's much easier to digest for people, right? Because like Absolutely. like living in America or I imagine if you live in the UK or anywhere outside of India, like this aspect of your culture or tradition is is like at best on the tangential um, outside realm of your world you might 
you might go to temple once in a week or once every couple of weeks and mm-hmm. you might do the pujas or prayers, but you're not getting any real understanding of why you're doing what you're doing or, or the, the tradition that built it up or the, the, the knowledge bases on this. And, I, and I, I think this is something that's really, really helpful in, um, in our world not to lose it. And I think it is being lost in many ways. And especially, Indeed, yeah, especially the is. critical thinking about it, right? Where right. we've become very like, we think it's like a dead culture that sits back in the past somewhere and right. it just, it sits there and it's not like progressing when it's actually a really progressive living living culture that's is, yeah. been frozen at some level. Right, and, and I mean, that's absolutely true. And when it was a living culture, uh, it, it was a culture of intense debate and, right. uh, and argument and, uh, and, 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 you know, really like sort of digging into uh, various aspects of life, whether the spiritual dimensions, the secular dimensions, you know, whatever it may be. It was a, a very and vibrant intellectual and sexual dimensions, yeah. like, you know, sort of more the hedonistic aspects of the world. Like, I mean, nothing was ignored. Everything was engaged with and everything was engaged with through reason and emotion, both. Sure, sure. I mean, it, it, I mean, I, I think sometimes this going i mean kind of connecting all these various threads we're talking about like the concept of the the east as being this only spiritual or mystical realm um or realm of thought i think is pretty uh uh what is it uh, it's, it's just it's false. false yeah and into this whole idea that was constructed by western historians about the east being more well, mystical and the west being more logical it completely falls flat when you look at the works on both sides deeply right so, the, I don't think we could just blame the West because a lot of times when the, the Swamiji's from the East come, they just yes. focus on like, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I know people love Vivekananda or like, you know, Yogananda and they're fantastic uh, right. people that brought some aspects of the Indic culture over, but they also were heavily spiritual, 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 not really, really engaging with like the deeper ideas of both the secular... But- I won't critique them because, see, they came from a primarily spiritual tradition. There were secular traditions of, you know, sort of uh, traditional Indic systems of knowledge okay. that have been lost and decimated because of British influence and, and, and very willfully. I mean, they were, they were destroyed purposefully so that they could be replaced with a more Western system. But what I did want to point out about the whole, you know, idea of uh, the Greek system being holistic and the Indian system being holistic, because if we look at the works of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, and all these philosophers, there's immense mystical elements, Pythagoras, right? We know him for his mathematical theorem, but if you look at the quote-unquote cult that he belonged to, sure. it was heavily mystical. We go to India, you have the Nyaya tradition, the Vaisheshika tradition, uh, really, uh, you know, logical and, you know, sort of reasonable uh, ways of looking at the world sure. as opposed to being, you know, more on the I mystical mean, side. I mean, I, I think you're right when you talk about the pre-Socratics. Um, the, like, Plato, Socrates, and Aristotle were not that mystical they were very much the reason was paramount to them right and and they kind of like threw away a lot of the mystical elements um, right. and, and that was kept by other other pre-socratics like Pythagoras and uh, you know the uh, Orphic tradition and and the mystery cults and and even people like uh, you know um, Primenides and uh, what's his name um, Heraclitus they all kept mystical elements I mean the later ones didn't I mean but like in Indian thought it was it was much more holistic right like right. you wouldn't have just uh, purely spiritual path without a a corresponding within that darshana or that's siddhanta mm-hmm. but you wouldn't have uh just the mystical you'd have to have it connected to the world yeah, that, yeah exactly there was a worldly element and also there was a, like a logical element there was like the logical exposition right of 
of uh, the system, you know, to give a grounding to the spiritual tradition. Right. Right? It wasn't. You, I mean, some of these things couldn't even call philosophies in the way we understand them right now. Right. I mean, not even quite theologies, but you know, like darshanas, like you said, you know, it's a viewpoint to the world to show, hey, here's a system of practice. Right. And and here's a theory that underpins this way of practice. Absolutely. And and one of the things that like and, and the reason I brought up like some people like Vivekananda, the Yogananda, and and I'm not like really railing on them or anything. It was just idea was you know since that time period there hasn't been a lot of development either in the east or west within the traditions in terms of out, outside of their own thought right like right. like within their tradition they're seen as like supreme or whatever it is there hasn't been more commentaries or more development of their thoughts mm-hmm. in a deeper sense I, I and i could be wrong there might be someone like you know uh dr jeffrey long or other people that are part of that tradition that can prove me wrong and show me otherwise um and i'm totally open to it but like, I do think there's an element, like, we've come to a place where it's almost like a cafeteria version of spirituality, where right. you just pick the spiritual element, and you don't, you don't want to link it to the, the, the worldview, because it then requires something of you. Uh, so, exactly. And I've had this conversation with many people. I mean, you know, uh, the reasonable sort of, you know, uh, the, the scientific side of me is a very important part of me, you know, but as, you know, as the philosophical part of me, as, as is, for lack of a better term, this, this, the, uh, the spiritual part of me. And so I do indulge in a few spiritual practices, uh, you know, which to the untrained mind might look like things that other people do. So However, are you a Jedi? <laughs> I wish, right? That's what I'm training to be. So I'd be one with the force yeah. and, you know, You're gonna do the mind fly around. And, yeah, exactly, right? All the fun well, I stuff. I mean, that is kind of like the Ashton Cities and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, we, we've, got our, we've got our theories about, you know, once you conquer the mind, what kind of abilities present themselves yeah. to you. No, but, but I was really talking about a lot of practices, you know, where people think, oh, you're doing these practices. You know, these are just like general, quote-unquote, religious, ritualistic practices that people do. But... I do some of those things, but then the context of a particular worldview, like you said, which requires something of you. Yeah. It's not just randomly choosing some things. Uh, you know, it's 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 about having a worldview and living your life in a certain way and experiencing sure. the world in a particular way, not saying it's better or worse than any other way, but just, you know, having a way to engage with the world. Right, right. And and, and, and I think like part of the thing it, there's this and this is a, a not really a tangent, but it's connected, and it's connected to this serious sense of, um, I guess, self-esteem issues that that Indian Hindus generally have. Mm-hmm. We're very f- afraid to wear our tradition or religion on our sleeves in the world because we we I think there's a sense that it's it, it's looked as primitive or compared to you know other people's beliefs or other ideas, and. And that's the thing I want to really like combat. I want to I want to bring it to the forefront that actually no, there's there's a, a incredibly deep spiritual, not even spiritual, like, but psychological, psychological dimension dimension to, to a lot of these practices. They're not Absolutely. just pulled out of like left wing or you know right, right wing or just made made up like in some right. sense. They're they're really put together in a way to connect your mind to your body to even nature and then maybe right. something beyond. I mean, you can look at it in terms of like, you know, like Jungian archetypes and, you know, whatnot, sure. that these these symbols are reflections of some sort of, you know, deep uh, psychological states that exist in your mind. Sure. And they help you grow and unfold in ways, you know, that, right. uh, you know, it's that that are intangible, but, you know, can only be sort of 
uh, communicated through these kind of complex symbols. You, right. you can't really talk about them. You know, it's, it's just the experience of interacting with these symbols that helps you. Right, and, 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 and I know we're getting a little deeper maybe than we should. Than we should, yeah. But, 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 you know, we'll get to these topics over time and, right. and, and jump into them. But this is kind of like the, I guess these are the kind of important things. Like, obviously, there, there are things in history that are important to me, like the Aryan invasion theory or, or like the, the way history has been built in India in terms of the linchpin of everything being Ashoka or Buddha right. exactly. and, and, and just dating and all that other stuff. But, like... And always taking it from the perspective of an outsider, you know, I mean, you know, there's so many of these texts, the travelogues that these yeah. Chinese or Greek travelers wrote that have fantastical elements, but somehow they're considered okay, but the Indian, you know, uh, sort of fo folklore, so to say, I mean, it's, it's really relegated to folklore instead of taking it seriously as right. history, you know, and, and it's ignored our, all our Indic understanding of ourselves. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but, the, and I think you're totally right there. It's just, uh, we, 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 like, I've heard, I've, you know, like growing up, you also I've heard people be like, you worship a monkey, you worship cows, oh but they don't understand like the 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 reason they're not worship, but it's like I mean Hanuman obviously is worship, but like the reason for it is is much deeper than just simply oh it's a monkey or it's a cow yeah. or and it, it's part of this love for nature, um, which sadly you don't see in India today. No, it's this, not uh, anymore. Not anymore. But there was this inherent sense of love for nature and and, and being a part of it. Um, that I think we've people don't don't really have today, right? Like especially amongst the uh, you know Christianity, Judaism, or Islam, it's it's the sense that God gave you the world for you to master and and run instead of in many ways the Indian sense you were kind of a steward. You you're, you had a duty to all things around you, right? Um, so I don't know why I went and, to that and point. Uh, I mean also certainly like in in the pagan view of the world, right? Yeah, yeah. In sort of pre-Christian Europe and. Sure. I mean, they they had their own problems, but they did feel all this sort of oneness with nature that they were a part of the natural world right. instead of being, you know, masters of it. So, what are the topics that are really like close to your heart that that you want to like discuss down the line? That so are sort of you know like our half a listener or four listeners, whoever how many listeners we have right now, <laughs> can, can can like you know see what it is you want and see if they're interested in that. Sure. So, you know, as, as, as far as the types of things, you know, we want to talk about is, well, you know, the, the, the spiritual dimension has been just talked about forever. But, yeah. you know, we do want to deal with those ideas, but from a different point of view, more critical point of view, bring in a more holistic point of view, you know, taking a rational point of view, taking a Western point of view, trying to like align it with cognitive science and whatnot, just to kind of, you know, give a sense of why we think even from a modern perspective, these ideas and practices make sense. Okay. We want to talk about various aspects of history, particularly ancient history, which I feel is kind of ignored. There's yeah. a lot of focus on um, uh, you know, medieval and modern history in the Indian context. Uh, however, there's not that much focus on, you know, sort of post-colonial history as much. I mean, it is, but it's always like related to, and we're calling it post-colonial music, like related to the colonial period and right. know, the evolution, but, you know, different ways of sort of engaging with history. For example, intellectual histories of India. There was such a flowering of like intellectual, uh, you know, uh, growth and sort of, you know, f intellectual ferment in India, particularly like in, you know, what's called the Bengal Renaissance. And, oh, yeah. and there were so many authors in Indian local la languages, you know, that wrote phenomenal works, the secular, oh, yeah. and then, you know, and also like, 
you know, we, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, more more on the spiritual side of things. But you mean like great Tagore literature. or like? Yeah, uh, but not just Tagore and and stuff. But you know, there's this the tremendous number of people that you know one comes across once in a while. But you know, you you really you know they haven't really been advertised whether within India or abroad. Sure. And and and, and so I think you know having that kind of intellectual history of India, talking about also uh, you know the history and philosophy of the sciences. And, yeah. You know, things like mathematics in India, how. People conceived the world just to show people, hey, you know, it wasn't just a bunch of people sitting in forests, you know, kind of, you know, focusing on their third eye, you know, that there was actually uh, other ways that these people were trying to engage with the world and right. discover and un, un, uh, uh, uncover, like, you know, deeper aspects of, of reality from that perspective. Uh, I really have a love for Indian folklore. I think, you know, you see even a lot of mythological elements that are, uh, you know, sort of distributed like around India through various sort of media channels, but nobody talks about folklore. You know, the Katha Sarita Sagara, you know, the Vikrama cycle is there, but, you know, there's there's so many like cycles of stories like the Dashakumara Charita and, and so on, you know, they're so beautiful and so much fun to engage with. Right. And so I, I you know, I, I kind of want that to, you know, be, be shared. Uh, with, with with our audience and uh, gosh i mean there's so much more i could go on oh yeah i mean it, it, it's I, I think part of the issue is i think there's this is something we talked about before is there's this lack of um common language that uh about you know key ideas terms or um you know uh thoughts that people don't have about in, uh, the indian world right like if i if i mentioned like you know Shakespeare. Everyone knows Shakespeare. If I mention Chaucer, people know Chaucer. Right. If, you, if you mention like Kalidasa, the, Kalidasa, very few people few people know it. Or if you mention uh, you know, Basha, uh, you know y- y- yeah, Basha. Basha. And then uh, there's also Bana, right? Bana. You know, these guys were also great writers. Yeah. And like, and you said, you know, like these these like the Dasha uh, Kumara Charitra. Yeah. Like that's an amazing book, but people yeah. don't know it. Or Katasa don't know it. Katasarita Sagara, like, you know, just amazing. It comes from the Brihat Katha, yeah. the long story, which was embedded in the Indian psyche for th- thousands of years, right. which has now just been lost. Yeah, you know? so, I mean, there's like this, there's this lack of understanding of, of these terms and these texts, just even superficially, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what we can do, which would be kind of cool, is to do, like, snippets of tellings of these in, in a couple of these podcasts and, and kind of, like, maybe spend some time with, with this stuff to get people more acquainted with it. Like, everyone knows Aesop's fables, or everyone knows, yeah. like, you know, all that stuff, but they, they, they don't know, like, maybe Hitopadesha versus Panchatantra yeah. versus... And, and also, even if they know, firstly, a lot of them would not know the uh, Hitopadesha, but in terms of the Panchatantra, they just think it's a bunch of, like, childish stories yeah, yeah. when that was totally not the case. I mean, it's a book in, like, statecraft. Yeah, it's totally is. Like, it's a book on, state, on statecraft, rather. And, uh, it, and you it, know, we miss those elements. You know, it's funny because you, you can probably link it to something like uh, Animal Farm of George Orwell. Yeah, absolutely. Like, which is very similar in the sense they use animals in place of, right. of human beings to, to talk about the same kind of, uh, like, deep, deep ideas. And that's why I love folklore and storytelling is because, you know, you take these complex ideas and you couch them in language and symbol that makes them memorable. And that's how these ideas can then get propagated. But I also think that's where probably a lot of what we quote-unquote call mythology is. Is right. these deeper ideas couched in symbol in, uh, in, in, in a certain truth that is much easier to swallow in a right. narrative format than it is to the dry philosophical Absolutely. conversation, right? right? I mean, like, like my thing is I'm obsessed with Mahabharata. I, I do believe it's probably something that did happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I have my own uh, theories on the dating and all this other stuff. But I do think there's a deep, 
poetic narrative story that connects to the nature of human existence. And they've done a great job of, of, uh, of laying that out. Uh, absolutely. And see, I mean, here's the historic el- element doesn't matter as much because I think that's like a frame story. Sure. It's, it's more the use of frame story to carry all that accumulated knowledge of this one culture yeah. from generation to generation. And I think that's where the beauty of that text lies. And again, for most people, the Mahabharata, they look at it from the devotional angle just because, yeah. you know, it has the Bhagavad Gita in it. Or they look at it from the angle of stories of these cousins fighting and killing each other. Or you watch the the Sas Bahu version of Mahabharata oh God, that comes out nowadays. Oh, God, it's horrible with these <laughs> bunch of guys with their shaved chests shaved and, chest and they're clean shaven and, you know, just totally historically inaccurate it, representations. It, but it also plays into the, the, the very metrosexual nature of what right. masculinity has, is. Has and femininity in, 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 in India, India too, or actually yeah. India's view of what is masculine feminine yeah. based on Western Best, normative yeah, values. That's true. Or, and, but, I mean, the, 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 the thing that I also, like, I think we have miss out is we we tend to deify the text in a way that it becomes uh, um, something beyond reproach or true mm-hmm. engagement. And Absolutely. the purpose of the text is actually to throw yourself in to feel the, the anger or the emotions and, mm-hmm. and, and confront it and say, you know, why did someone behave like an asshole or why yeah. did someone do this or why was Krishna wrong right. you should be able to question these things absolutely and and not feel like you're an iconoclast or a blasphemer which we don't have that concept but nonetheless like people nowadays act as they if do act like that and and yeah the whole point of these I wouldn't even call them texts because you know, they were told orally and you know heard orally and the whole point was an interaction with right. this story cycle that would lead to an internal transformation, whatever, like a psychological, spiritual, whatever you want to right. think of it as. But it was all about that interaction, that in, that, that internal debate you would have about right. various uh, instances, you know, that occurred, you know, in in, in this itihasa, you know, in this right. brand like history, as you know, as, as they would call it. And uh, and and so yeah, that's that was one of the goals as well. I mean, you know, it's just multiple levels that one could engage with these texts, and I think some of the deeper levels of engagement have been lost. Yeah, I'm, and you know, so I, I think, I think we're probably getting a little long, right? You know, which is which is actually fine. I, I think which is what this is how we want to approach this, right? We want this to be kind of like a stream of conscious, you know, conversation between us. Yeah, and and uh, you know, really have an informal conversation. We don't want to make this too academic and way too erudite. You know, we just want to talk about some really interesting, deeper ideas. But as just two normal individuals right. talking about that. And, and, and I think we'll have a couple of these sessions, but I think it's also important to do like a couple, like where we pick a text and we kind of discuss. Sure. I mean, not disgust it, but <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's an Indian version, disgust it. <laughs> we can say discuss it. Um, right. And uh, I, I think that's something that we can do like a layman service for, That's what, for in, like yeah. an informal conversation yeah. about those deeper ideas, you know, yeah. in, instead of making it too academic and too inaccessible to right. people. And, and, and I would love, you know, one of my things that I would love for this to be a platform where you can have uh, a good dialogue between people and part of the diaspora learning and the, the people in India also teaching maybe some of their experiences and learning from the diaspora because I think what I find really interesting and this is a tangent is how for example like the Indian Caribbeans preserve their culture and what parts about that yeah and what parts are they preserved and you know there's or in Southeast Asia right you know like Mm -hmm. they have a I mean they're very clearly Hindu Buddhist Mm -hmm. uh, culture but they have such a different take on it right right? like the, the, the Hinduism of Bali is 
very, very different than mainland Hinduism. But in, then also the Hinduism of different regions of India sure. also got a lot of diversity. Which, which, which I think it'll be cool to, as we get this project going, to kind of like break down the different sort, different practices of Hinduism across the world sure. and see the common threads and also see why, why the diversity is just as important as the unity. And this really speaks to, you know, this whole idea of, oh, Hinduism is a culture, not a religion. And yeah. I know it's been oft repeated. However, if you think about it, right, it's it's really a lot of it stems from regional culture and regional practices. Right? Sure. There's no one source of truth. And so that's part of the beauty and diversity of that sort of culture that lies in the Indosphere. But, and, and you're totally right, because, like, if, if you look at even local, like, a local villages, they have their own, like, local devata or, yeah, you know, uh, devis. Uh, devis or whatever. And they have a story built around that Devi Devata that mm-hmm. interacts with the, the the larger Hindu deities like Vishnu, Shiva, Indra, whatever. And they mm-hmm. and the local deities like Mariamman or in the South India or mm-hmm. you know Punnama or a bunch of other ones and and they're all over India, right? Like right. Uh, they all have their own history, their stories linked to the larger religion, and they have a place in it. And and generally, like you know, people in these villages worship these local deities in a particular way that's different from the, the way they worship the other. Uh, you know, Vedic or Hindu deities. Right. And, and those stories are generally recorded either by local people in their, in their tradition, like ritual, mm-hmm. or, or it's recorded in what, what's called in the temple Stella Purana. Right. So this is great, right? So we've covered sort of our motivations. We've covered uh, kind of topics that we would like to engage with. But I, I, I thought maybe, you know, we could also spend some time also talking about, you know, uh, the various different content types that you know we'll be sharing as part of the project. I mean, you know, like we have the podcast, right? Yeah. And, and we have our blog. Yeah. But as we've spoken, you know, that we we want to have mul- sort of a multi pronged approach for engaging with people, for providing them sure. ideas and content. So uh, you know, some ideas from my side is there's 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 nothing that we're doing that is actually new. You know, there's generations of both scholars and sort of public intellectuals oh, sure. who've written amazing books on these topics. And one of the issues that we found was, you know, that people weren't discovering this content. So personally, at least me, and I know, you know Mukunda, you agree with me, is that I, I would we would like to share that content, right? We would like to share other podcasts, other interesting blogs, oh, um, yeah. book reviews, movie reviews, you know, if there's any animated content, like any sort of content uh, in any form, any any medium that, you know, helps, uh, you know, people relate to into culture, you know, that's part of also what we, you know, like to provide. Sure. I mean, so, like, I'll tell you one of the things that really uh, uh, was was kind of interesting but also kind of blew me away was, you know, you know, I, t- I like to listen to podcasts. So I listen to, like, a lot of pod- right. podcasts. I listen to, like, Waking Up with Sam Harris or, you know, uh, in uh, Partial Examined Life or... Uh, a bunch of other ones, right? And there's a, there's only like three that are somewhat based on India or Indian thoughts or Indian philosophy. And there's a bunch based on like Western philosophy, Western thought. Right. You know, uh, uh, George, uh, I think Janardhan Ganari and yeah. uh, Peter Adamson do this great history of Indian philosophy as part of their series. Which, by the way, the project, I from what I've seen, has ended and has become the it's history African. of Indian and African yeah. philosophy now. Which is good. But, I mean, the difference is it's like it, it's a very truncated version. And right. I want to spend some more time on a lot of these different ideas. Absolutely. Um, but what I've noticed is there's not enough content and the content that is out there and no disrespect to anybody it's the very it's westerners that have adopted some form of hinduism that are talking about hinduism yeah right and you don't have except for, i mean uh Prageta has uh, um one podcast which have three or four uh episodes 
But I want this to be more uh, uh, s- consistent and going forward because we we bring a unique perspective of, yeah. of, of the tradition, right? Uh, partially through practice, partially through learning, and, and still engagement with it. Right. Um, and, and I think that that I- mentality, idea, can be much easier for a lot of people to swallow, um, especially if we do it consistently, and, and come from it from uh, a critical perspective. Right. And, and bring bring that knowledge and 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 I want this endeavor to be like kind of like ideally a great marketplace of ideas where Absolutely. we can have more contributors and thinkers yes eventually we'll I, I mean that. I'm trying to line up a few uh, uh, scholars right, right. Uh, to do interviews with right. uh, that should be announced in the next uh, few weeks I think right uh, which will have a good discussion about not not just the nature of a particular uh, scholarly matter but also the nature of like Hinduness across the country and right. how or it's perceived or, or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And, and 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 what we can do to really bring our ideas by not by our ideas, I don't mean mine. I mean like the traditional mm-hmm. Indic ideas mm-hmm. to to bear on larger conversations. Absolutely, that's important. And I like what you said about you know this being an idea marketplace and how we offer a unique perspective. And the and the point isn't to be you know that our perspective is the correct yeah. one that we're the source of truth. Many things, many factoids we might throw out in the course of our conversations might be wrong. And we would love for people to engage with us sure. so, you know, we can increase our own knowledge. But whatever, you know, we know, uh, you know, we would like to, you know, share that oh, with absolutely. our audience no. and, uh, you know, I kind mean, of have this as a conversation. You know, this is not us speaking to our listeners. I this totally, is. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's part of this speaking to our listeners. Um, part of it will be that engagement with it. And, and like you said, we're not 100 percent correct on most things. I am a lawyer, so about ninety-three percent of what comes out of my mouth is bullshit. <laughs> so the other seven percent is probably right, um, <laughs> and I'm really good at hiding what's right and what's wrong because you know you learn these uh, tricks of trade in, in law school. Absolutely. Um, but but I mean, nonetheless, I mean, uh, aside from the joking, I, I do think that we we bring a unique viewpoint, and and, and the whole point of Indian thought is that it's all about positioning where you look at something, right? The story right. of the eight. Uh, I mean, the elephant and the, and the blind men is kind of what we're, we're trying to say. We want to give a unique perspective Absolutely. of what that elephant looks like yeah, or I'm feels sure. like or exactly. smells like. Right. And, and um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's other people who share, share our perspective. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't share our perspective. Sure. And that's okay. We want this to be another view out in the idea marketplace. And we want conversations to happen. We right. want people to engage with and we want people to engage us. And uh, we want to create a vibrant... Uh, in you know, sort of intellectual atmosphere within uh, either the Indian diaspora or like within you know, educated urban Indians, Indophiles. You know, we want to encourage conversations and uh, you know, just uh, cultural engagement. Yeah, I, I think that's, and we're doing it from a place of trying to understand. So any confrontation that or any statements we make that may be controversial. I don't want it to be ever taken as like attack on something. It should not really be taken as like, you know, we are critical people, so we will be critical of things like, you know, caste system through history and, sure. and how particular ideas have 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 been very detrimental or mm-hmm. or you know, partic- we, I, I, there's no way I want to, I mean, whitewash I guess is the term oh, or no. brownwash in this case. No, no, yeah, no whitewashing, no brownwashing, saffron washing, whatever you want to We want to give all perspectives. So where we want to talk about, you know, the issues that exist yeah. in, in, in Indic civilization, but we also want to correct some views Absolutely. which we you know which we think might actually be incorrect. Right. And, and, and and so you know we want to give all sides of the argument, have discussions, just ex- expose people to more points of view. That's totally I totally that's agree. That's the goal.
Um, so do you have anything else that you think? Uh, I think, you know, this is good. Hopefully it has not been as incoherent as I think it has. Oh, I'm sure it's a total rambling of two brown men in, uh, exactly. in a room. That's right. human like India. <laughs> <laughs> Brings back the memories. Brings right. back the memories. I, I think right. we should set ourselves up in 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 rooms that just make it humid and, and makes it feel yeah. like we're we're in the motherland. Because that's the Indian experience. That right? is the Indian all experience. the philosophers and the poets <laughs> were experiencing this. That's right. The, in the heat of uh, Southern California. <laughs> that, that's right. Um, so yeah, I, I think hopefully this uh, this podcast or this episode has been uh, interesting, fun. And somewhat funny, you know. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to keep this dynamic and uh, bring some knowledge, drop some knowledge on you, and, right. <laughs> and and make you woke. And that's another term that kind of annoys me. It's this. It, it? It's. I mean, in Indian sense, it means like awakening to like true knowledge. But like in in a modern sense, that the PC word of woke is like I now am liberal, social, whatever. But that's another point. Um, we'll get into that. Actually, my next. So that's the second word you have a problem with. You had a problem with urbane, right? Yeah, urbane too. So I, I tend to have problems with words because um, I'm just not very coherent at it. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, hope to see you guys join us. I mean, I can't see you, but hope to see the clicks and the joining of our podcast and listening um, down the line. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please drop us a line at at the website at the email uh, the Meru <laughs> which we media. have forgotten <laughs> so it's uh, the Meru M-E-R-U media at gmail.com and we'll respond to you, you know, as soon as as soon as we can um, I do we do plan on starting a YouTube channel as we get more and more into this absolutely um, so there will be multiple content across different uh, spectrums of media I do not want to do Instagram if someone forces me to do it mm-hmm. I might but it's not my preference. Right. So you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on our website at meru.media. And uh, thank you all. Thank you all. Take care. <laughs>